Welcome, Story Squires, to the most fun you'll ever have without being choked. This is... <laughs> you well, know then, what I'm talking about. I'm leaving if we're not getting choked. Fuck this. <laughs> we can self-choke. How about that in the breaks? Okay, look, oh, let's, not, for it. let's not David Carradine in the first 30 seconds of the podcast. <laughs> We've got more stamina. <laughs> uh, this is Story Lords. Uh, as always, Woo! the podcast with two prompts, three stories, and infinite laughs. I'm Rich Masters, and with me as always is Jeff Pennington. Hello. And Josh Henderson. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> or Heckle and Jekyll. <laughs> um, this week, our prompts were princesses and anachronisms. This is the first and time disasters. it's been princesses. <laughs> so, uh, I definitely yeah. did those. Yeah, he did. Uh, hey. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I got it. I got it. <laughs> any any uh, stories we want to share before we start reading? Uh, yeah, I told three you, of I them. Told That's you. the show. <laughs> I told you guys I would tell you the story about the time we ran around me and my cousin with dildos. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. So I totally forgot about this, but um, uh, apparently when we were little. We found dildos in my grandmother's top drawer, along with my grandfather's G-strings. <laughs> and we put them on, and we waved them around like torches, and we shouted, like, Wiener Squad or something. I forget exactly what we shouted. But we were, like, frat-boying it up, and I had totally forgotten about this. And, you know, I think it's fair that you guys are my best friends, so there, there you have that. Now you can... Now the I picture know. of Josh, Josh Henderson is more full. I've got some questions. You get it. I've got some questions. How old were sure. you? Uh, like eight. Uh, like, did, did, how did this story end? Did someone come in and find you? Yeah, my grandmother, apparently, like, I don't, again, I don't remember, like, I really don't remember, but, like, apparently my grandmother was just like, okay, put him back. <laughs> like, well, we she didn't, didn't want to draw too much attention, right? Yeah, we didn't get yelled at, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I really wish I remembered what we were chanting, like like fucking frat boys. We were like, wieners, 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 <laughs> just like marching down the steps with them. Do you know what? Like, I uh, I know that a lot of people are gonna be horrified by that story, but fucking fair play to your grandparents, man. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, well done, them. Multiple like, I, dildos. Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> like to be fair. Fucking good yeah. job, right? They're yeah. living a happy life. We're, good on yeah, them. Yeah, like I'm. I don't question either of those things. I, nope. I guess maybe the g-string. Like, was Grandpa like freaky? That's what we. That's what we were talking about. Me and my cousin were like, was he into like getting like stepped on? And I was like, for sure. I was like, that one hundred percent. Like, our grandfather is like. He's into that shit. Like I know it. He's never told us, but I just I know it. Sometimes it just bl- it just wafts yeah. off of a person. You can just tell. Yeah, I'm gonna say this something. is the same grandfather that tied Zane's shoes. <laughs> yeah, but there's so you can you can you can think of it like that, but you can also think of it as the person who can compartmentalize this freaky shit he wants to do with his wife and being a damn good person, right? <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's great. Look, like he's I so love my Sometimes he's you got to fuck and sometimes yeah. you fuck in a in a new way. 
That's yeah. everyone oh. loves that man. Like when he dies, it's it's people love him. So I I love him. I just I just totally it totally I deleted it from my my core <laughs> memories. Dude, this was the stuff you found as well. That's like that's true. This is yeah. the nightstand stuff. This isn't the secret box in the closet that you're going to have to go through the day he dies. Yeah. <laughs> When I find it again, I'm going to be like, ah, we meet again, dildos. You should keep it. You should keep the dildos. I don't know about that. Maybe the G-strings. I don't know about the dildos. You should, keep, you should keep them and, like, like fuck ashes. Like, you should yeah. keep those and bury those. That's true. I think I'm going to make a chain out of one of them. There were, like, four or five of them. Four or five? Yeah, they weren't, like, and this is back, like, they weren't, like, crazy big, you know? Like, now you get, like, just ridiculous dicks now. <laughs> they were very sensible dicks at the these, time. These were tasteful, <laughs> tasteful <laughs> dilds. <laughs> just your standard, everyday, tasteful dild. Yeah, it's not yep. going to make someone, like, recoil. They're, it was like, oh, yeah, that's a nice dild. The six try it of dildos. <laughs> <laughs> the six oh, inch triad of yeah. dildos <laughs> yeah. just average um, this is the sort of quality you're going to get through this episode yeah. if you're a new listener you, you are going to get this sort of quality throughout the series so please, please subscribe and do all the things that you need to do become a patron because this is this is the start of an episode this isn't even the meat <laughs> this is I think yeah, my story is probably worse than that story. So, <laughs> I think genuinely, I think your story is very touching. No, it's got like a it's niceness sweet. to it. I it's know. No, I agree with Rich. It's really nice that your grandparents were fucking. Yeah. No, they they always were. They were they couldn't stop. They were had a problem really. We'd go over uh, there on Sundays. What's the problem to them? Yeah. We'd go over there on Sundays and shit, and they would be like, like out of breath and like they were fucking like and it's ha it's just all the time uh, the biggest increase in sexually transmitted infections is amongst the elderly <laughs> yeah yeah that's a fact from my work <laughs> well back in the day they didn't have those condams <laughs> <laughs> they, they had to slaughter the goat and use the skin yeah. straight <laughs> off of it every Feel that time sausage. they fucked I need the case in <laughs> Jesus <laughs> It's a bad podcast. This is a bad show, yeah. <laughs> Josh, read a story. Yes. All right. Uh, my story this week is called Running Out of Tome. <laughs> I'm really good at titles, guys. <clears throat> the cobwebs wrapped around pillars and sprawled across from the ceiling to floor, just like the cobwebs that infest your sweet mama's slam hole. <laughs> Boris ducked and spat out the dusty, erected butt highways as best as he could, <laughs> but still got a mouthful of spider spooge just like I did when I went down on your sweet mama's wiener garage last night. <laughs> Jesus. In contrast, Slit and the other goblins were making a game of slurping up all the spider webs they could. They cheered whenever one of them felt the pop of an exploding spider in their stank goblin mouths. Oi! Got me another one, Spank said with a smile as oh, spider Rich guts ran down. <laughs> <laughs> Oi! Uh, as spider guts ran down his mouth like dribble, <laughs> Boris shuddered. Even for his vampire taste, this was too much. 
he had had his fair share of disgusting meals, like that time he crunched down on your mama's sweet lap buffet. <laughs> but smite, but spiders, nah, that dog won't hunt. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Save some spiders for us, Slash. Slit yelled as he jabbed Slash in his stomach, causing a Richter scale level belch to erupt out of Spank's mouth. I, I meant to say Slash. There, I, there's so many words. <laughs> For a second, Sla- I thought I meant to say slash was written on the page. <laughs> it could be. You know what? It was. <laughs> Slap, Sparky, enough! Axwood yelled back. Mom, our names are. Mom, my names are. I don't care. Axwood snapped off. Spanks correction before it could even mature into a full thought. Up ahead, Boris could see with his vamp vision that they were headed into another spookier wing of the ancient temple library. Above him, golden glowing eyes of a thousand rats start, stared down at him until he saw one rat give him the neck slice motion, then lift up his rat t-shirt to reveal the handle of a gun? What the fuck? <laughs> He's everywhere. <laughs> I gotta do a Russian accent now? Okay, how do you do that? Where are you taking me, Boris asked. <laughs> and for his question, got a swift slap on the ass. Quiet, you! Skate said, raising his hand threateningly, but clearly only being able to reach the vampire's leg humps. <laughs> 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 We're headed to the voice, Axvoon turned around and replied. <laughs> Don't let her find me! <laughs> the spooky lady voice rang through Boris's ears. Unfortunately, Axoon's magics also allowed her to hear the voice. Maybe she drank vampire blood beforehand or, like, sucked off a whole brood of vamplings in some kind of fucked up but also hot as hell orgy ritual? (laughs) Boris thought he better investigate that possibility for science. (laughs) Suddenly, the air became mustier than a furry's taint at a vampling orgy. (laughs) The goblins yanked. Uh, off board, uh, the goblins yanked on Boris's cuffs and stopped him from moving forward as Axwoon held out her hand in a T-pose and chanted some crazy magic words that sounded like Latin. Enormous, swangus, flaccidus, weenus, she shouted. <laughs> as all the candles in the room lit up with a green glow. An unnatural light so eerie that Boris would have preferred direct sunlight instead. Even though he was a daywalker and he found the sun quote, insistent, and quote, obnoxious. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> In front of them lay a row of vaults. Each had a number on them ranging from 1 to 69. <laughs> She's in one of the one of these, Axwoon said, more directing the statement to Boris, and a truck is crashing outside. <laughs> uh, and not her lackeys, who are clearly fucking morons, and probably only there for the orgy that Boris was hoping was still going to happen. <laughs> <clears throat> Spunk! Skank! Slut! Take the vampire over there! <laughs> Axwood motioned to the far end of the, uh, of the row of vaults near Vault 69. Noise! Slit said. <laughs> <laughs> now don't try to lie, little vampire, Axwood said as she licked her finger and pressed it against Boris's forehead. Actually, it's more of a nine head. He had male pattern baldness, after all. Oh, no. Is it, yeah, is it, it would a nine head be male pattern baldness, or would it be full on bald? 
It's just, uh, I, I don't know, like a 12 head? Like, how big is a head? <laughs> I mean, 9 is pretty big. I assume 10 was the, the maximum headage. Do, do they have one of those, like, ring sizers for your <laughs> yeah. head that, that measures, like... R- right, if you know the answer to this query, please write in <laughs> yeah. to mclassemail at gmail.com. Yeah. Let that, us know. We'll answer it, yeah. <laughs> The spit on her finger burned an imprint in his third eye and singed his mind. I will know if you are lying. And if you do, well... Axwoon flashed a scene of pure hell and gore into Boris's mind. The pure amount of blood and viscera shocked him to his core. Demons traced through his mind and agony shot up his spine. And just as soon as it began, it switched off. Well... Wouldn't want to get stuck there, would we? Axwoon said, blowing a kiss to Boris as the goblins trotted him over to the farthest vault. Keeper of knowledge! Axwoon bellowed as green fire lit up her verdant, inadvertent pyre of power and pure sex. She was looking good. <laughs> <laughs> Speak! She finished. Boris looked around, waiting for an answer to the sexgromancer's demand. <laughs> no! A ghostly voice said from farther down the row of vaults. Boris instinctively reacted with Axwound. They both moved toward the center of the vaults. Speak to me, knowledge tome, you absolute unit of a novel! Axwound again compelled. <laughs> Suck my dick! The voice replied again, giving away its location a little more. Stop answering her! Boris yelled at one of the vaults. Don't tell me what to do! Oh, no. The voice again replied, getting Axwoon closer to its location. Fucking idiot book! Boris yelled, Yo, mama! (laughs) The voice again replied. Axwoon drew near uh, Vault 34, then stopped. It couldn't be that easy. Halfway? But instead of blowing dust off the vault number, she simply knelt down and waved her hand across a stone slab underneath revealing the words Vault 8 equals D along with an empty rectangular shaped hole. <laughs> I ain't sticking my totally real goblin wiener into that baby trap ass glory hole from spooky hell Spank said as a matter of factly. Axum shot him a look that would petrify and erect any donger alive or dead. His eyes glowed green and his body went limp like my totally real goblin wiener did last night in your mama's sweet cobweb-infested sperm warehouse. Just gonna let that one simmer a bit. This is a good show. It's patreon.com slash whatever this show is called now. It's finally a good show. We finally made it. I will do as you command, Spank said as he robotically moved toward the vault and the rectangular slot. As he did, he mechanically began to remove his pantaloons and Porky Pig it straight to the rectangular hole, (laughs) inserting his gobbo donger. No, you idiot, your hand! Just use your hand, Axtoon yelled, but it was too late. The vault door rumbled and let out a slight ding sound as its stone door began to open. Boy, what in the hell is this now? Spank said as he awoke from his trance. Just then he felt a tug on his peener. Uh-oh, were his last <laughs> words as the vault vaporized his entire body, except his donger, which fell out of the hole and rolled toward Boris like that one guy's head at the end of Last Crusade. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> 
I've made a last. I've made a last crusade reference to a story. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah. <laughs> Uh, the vault door clicked into place as a glowing, radiant book shone brightly over the sickly green energy of Axwound's magic. Spunk! The candle! Now! Axwound yelled as the two remaining goblins. Oh, is that, is that you or me? Slit <laughs> said to Slash. Whichever has the thing, use it! Axwound screamed. Slash fumbled uh, the candle in his hands, hot potato style, and placed it under the glowing book. <laughs> Soon, the usual glow of magic text began to spread across the room in front of them. Slut! Kill the vampire, X-Wound said. <laughs> Slit reached behind him and pulled out a flaming dagger. The green light dulled its already... The green light dulled his already yellowed teeth as he held the dagger up to Boris and smiled. Hey, look up there, Boris said as convincingly as he could. Huh? Slit looked behind him, giving <laughs> Boris enough time to headbutt the goblin, causing him to drop the dagger. Boris then used his foot to stabilize the dagger hacky sack style <laughs> on its handle as he kicked it up into the air, spun around, and jumped backwards, grabbing the dagger with his cuffed hands. He then turned the knife downward and used all of his body weight to plunge the dagger into Slit's brain. The goblin w- was still turned around, never knowing what hit him. Skunk! Let's go, Axwood said as she was already entering the portal into the book's textural realm. Wow, what a word. <laughs> Who wrote this? A genius? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Smartest man on the podcast. That's right, that's right. Boris quickly start, uh, started to saw at his bindings with the flame dagger, burning his fingers and hands in the process, but finally uh, able to gain freedom. Just as the portal to the book realm was closing, he jumped in thinking to himself, why am I doing this? <laughs> As he did. He was no hero, but he also hated this bitch. <laughs> the universe swirled around him and everything went black. <gasps> Boris gasped as he awoke in a field, the wheat around him smelling sweetly as the sun kissed his pale, white, balding head. It's <laughs> a little too real for me. I felt this. I didn't. <laughs> Shut up, Rich! God damn it. (laughs) Drums in the distance rang through Boris's ears. He followed the sound and saw smoke on the horizon. Boris soon found himself in a village of dancing men and women whose boobs and dongers were out. (laughs) Sweet. Oh, so it's like one of these books, he said to himself. (laughs) As soon as he did, the drums stopped. Every eye in the village turned to him. Shit, he said out loud. <laughs> but just as quickly as the drum stopped, they started again, and a conga line of dancers marched over to Boris and grabbed him by the hand, swinging them up and down in celebration. Dun, dun, a single dun, man dun, decorated dun, in animal dun, skins dun, dun, and the headdress made out of a skull of a dragon sat silently on a throne. The party raged on as Boris drank his fill of fermented fruit juice called jungle juice. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good joke. And played ancient and sacred competitive games such as beer pong and asshole. (laughs) There's so many anachronisms in this that you can just ding at any, just any fucking time. Finally, as the party began to die down, the chief beckoned the now very drunk vampire over to his throne. Welcome, Darkling, he said deeply through his dragon mask. Yo, what's up, dude? This party rules, <laughs> Boris said, trying to fist bump the chief. Yes, 
It does, the chief said, reciprocating the bump. We are an ancient sect of quest givers. Those who need to find their way may come to us to find meaning in their life. We are a tribe called Quest, the chief said. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking... <laughs> claps. I can, I'm getting claps? Damn, nice. Genius. You are the genius of the podcast. <laughs> is is this real or inside of the book? Boris questioned, taking a seat next to the chief. What's the difference? The chief replied. Boris could tell he was smiling underneath his mask. I am a wizard. You need guidance, so I have arrived here for you to guide you. I am the wizard shaman quest love. (laughs) (laughs) This keeps getting better. Jesus. (laughs) But I arrived here. You didn't arrive to me, Boris said, confused. Hmm. An interesting way to look at it, Questlove replied contemplatively. (laughs) She is coming, he continued. She is coming, the one who will destroy, to end us. What? Oh, the bitch dressed like a sexy warlock for Halloween? Boris questioned. (laughs) She is coming, Questlove raised his hands and summoned a portal. He then knelt down beside Boris and hugged him. Go now. Save the future, he said as he pushed Boris into the portal. What? No! (laughs) Boris shouted as he tried to claw his way back to the village. What should I do? He screamed. That's how we all react to responsibilities like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't even fucking write a story on time, so fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Questlove just nodded as the portal zooped out of existence. As one portal closed, another appeared instantly next to it. Out stepped a hot bitch wearing a sexy warlock for Halloween costume. <laughs> Again, the drums stopped, but this time there were no, there was no revelry and reggae tone beat to welcome this new guest. Why even live? No, pathetic. <laughs> We've been expecting you, demoness. The quest love said, matter of factly. Aw, no beer pong welcome, Axwood said sarcastically as her remaining goblins, whose name I don't even remember at this point, chuckled like a hyena. One of them was Slut. I remember slit. that. Yeah, it is Slit. I think Slit's alive, yeah. It would be... Uh, who's talking? It would be pointless as you would not succeed at getting uh, the little ball into my solo cups, just like you will not succeed in destroying every wizard. You basic-ass sorority cum dumpster, (laughs) Questlove said, in the regalist of tones. (laughs) We'll see, Axmoon simply said as she raised her hands. Already glowing with green energy, she raised up Questlove from his throne. Everyone in the village screamed as some tried to charge at the sorceress, but as soon as they reached her, a shield appeared which vaporized all who passed through it. The village burned into the night, and soon the screams could no longer be heard. All that remained on the throne was a wizard shaman was a skeleton. Wow, what a great sound. <laughs> it smoked and smoldered. <laughs> it smoked and smoldered until the sun and time bleached it from all memory. <laughs> Boris zooped back into the library with a thud. Fuck! He said. <laughs> Please, you must remove me from this prison, the book begged. How? How that was that that was so real? Boris questioned. It was real, the book answered. I am the princess of all knowledge. Ding. They call 
<laughs> they call me Princess Tombstool. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're in it now, boys. <laughs> Welcome to Thunderdome, bitch. <laughs> I am ancient and powerful. Now, please, you must find a spot for me so we can take advantage of when that skank comes back through my portal. <laughs> okay, okay, Boris thought rubbing his head. Do I need the candle, or can you just do this without it? I'm a magical book! <laughs> Let the Patreon nerds sort out the details! The book snapped. <laughs> Fuck Boris you for giving us money. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. That's your dumb fault. <laughs> Boris grabbed the book as he ran as fast as he could up through the library's levels. He didn't know where he was going, but he ran as the book's radiant glow showed him the way. Axe Wound made her, made her way through time as she slaughtered wizard after wizard. She sucked the life force out of an orc wizard who was reading to children in a library as part of his community <laughs> service for bone car drunk driving. <laughs> 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 She found her way to an ancient mountaintop where a wizard who was like a goat man was just sitting up there eating some dirty old grass and living his best life. <laughs> Damn, I'm going to miss that haunches. guy. Yeah, he was a good one. <laughs> she ate his haunches over a fire as Slit. Sure, let's go with Slit. Sang all 56 <laughs> minutes of Daranosian pie on a loop. <laughs> <laughs> She zooped into some shabby old man old man's tower, only to find Reese's the Wise looking at all sea porn on his all sea ball. Oh fuck this! He said as he portaled out <laughs> with his pantaloons around his ankles. Woe betide the people who he ports back into. <laughs> <laughs> Probably that fucking like children's library orc. Oh no! Oh my god! Wait a That's minute. One got... one night last week, did he port back and he had his pantaloons around his ankles <laughs> to your house? <laughs> I think he might have. He might have done that. <laughs> Uh, her reign of terror didn't end until she found every single last wizard alive. Nobody noticed this serial-style killing of wizards, since many of the murders would be recorded in history as taking place o- o- over hundreds, if not thousands, of years. There'd be no all sea flicks documentary about these unsolved <laughs> mysteries. <laughs> Slorp! Axwoon sucked the last the life essence out of an ancient elven wizard who is living in an elven golden age of like lettuce and flowers or whatever the fuck those guys are super into. <laughs> I am become death, destroyer of dorks, she said as she clenched her fist, <laughs> slamming it down to the ground. The earth rumbled and the sky shook as every wizard. Uh, every uh, every wizard's power now surged through her veins like those really prominent ones in her titties because they were like so big. <laughs> you know the, the big ones. Blue vein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, vein. we know. We, we know. know. We yeah, we know. Yeah. I'll show you a picture later. If you don't, no. <laughs> oh, I don't know then. <laughs> okay. Yeah, me neither. Boris reached the top of the library's ramp and again looked down at the nothingness he had just ascended from. Wait, he said. Can I, like, I don't know, like, hold you over the ledge, and then when these fuckers come back, like, they fall to their deaths? Sure, that sounds like a plan to me, <laughs> Princess Tomsul said indifferently. Okay, cool, I need, like, a stick or something, or, like, a fishing rod. Boris looked, Boris looked frantically around through the piles of books. You're hoping to find a fishing rod in a library? 
The princess asked sarcastically. I don't know, Boris snapped. I just time-traveled to an ass or astral-traveled into your book body and zooped out into a crazy party and they made a new friend and now I'm back here trying to kill a sexromancer. You're welcome for that, by the way. <laughs> wink, Tom still said. <laughs> Did you just say wink, Boris asked? <laughs> well, I can't very well actually wink, you fucking ding-donger. Tomstool said. him. Just then, Tomstool began to rumble. Oh, God, here she comes. <laughs> she said as she looked like she was going to retch and shit herself all at once. As much as a book, as much as a book could look like it's shitting itself. I'd imagine the cover turned into any Ernest Klein book or the, any, or the cover to any J.J. Abrams script he's ever touched or laid eyes on. <laughs> Fucking shitheads catching strays this episode. Is this how what's that? Yeah. This is about time, you know? It's about fucking time. That we complained about them. <laughs> <laughs> Boris grabbed Tombstool and quickly held her over the ledge into the never-ending blackness below. A turtle zooped out of the book and out walked Axwoon and Slit. Upon hitting his, this reality, Slit instantly fell into the abyss, screaming the entire way down. Fuck shit! Fuck it! His voice became a distant echo until nothing was heard from Slit ever again. Axwound, on the other hand, just stood in midair. Tisk, 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 little vampire, she said, wagging a finger. You know as well as I do that if you don't look down, you can't fall. She, fl- <laughs> <laughs> she floated over to Boris, who was still holding out Tombstool. Then she laid down in midair with her hands under her chin like she was talking about boys at a sleepover and flicked <laughs> Boris on the nose. Oh, I like you, the vampire. Do. <laughs> yeah, the cuties. I like you, vampire. You're fun, she said as she kissed him on the mouth and then soared ba- up, back upright. Toodles, she said as she encased herself in black inky shadow, turned into a screaming demon Valkyrie and thro- shot through the stone ceiling above of the library. We need to find the last wizard, Tomstool said. This fucking sucks, dick, (laughs) Boris said, as he tucked the book under his arm and made his way out of the library. The end. Fucking amazing. (laughs) (laughs) This one was like a names for Jeff. Names that Jeff would love. I enjoyed the fuck out of it so hard, dude. You have no idea. Dude, Tribe Called Quest, I was like, that's fucking hilarious. I, cl- I clapped and I meant it. There was no sarcasm on that clap. <laughs> well, I, I made up for it with Princess Tombstool. You guys didn't seem to like that one as oh, much. That one hit me like a fucking freight train, so Look, I had to get used to it. Look, we all, we, we've all got our terrible puns that we input in the story, and sometimes we like them, and sometimes we don't. <laughs> And that one wasn't it's great, but it's it was still great. Really. <laughs> that one wasn't great. It, it wasn't great, but it was still great. <laughs> Wait, didn't you do one that was like, I don't Yeah, remember. I do one every fucking one. episode. Yeah. Like, there's there's I no can't game around it. And normally one of you laugh at it and one of you thinks it's the worst thing you've ever heard, which is <laughs> the best reaction. <laughs> 50 50, yeah. yeah I don't Split know. you down the middle. Like uh. I did to your mom. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, please. The the reason we don't remember any of them is our brains have deleted them like the dildo story. Yeah. Yeah. I can't handle that information. One day we'll remember. Well, them the again. thing is, if we remembered all our jokes, it would compromise the next story, right? Because we'd write the same jokes. We yeah. wouldn't be able to get past them. 
Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't remember that's, anything I've ever done no. or said. So sometimes people are like, "Oh, I love that part when you did this, you wrote this, or whatever." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah all right." Mm. You can say like anything to me, and I'd be like, "Yeah, th- uh, thanks. I'm glad I wrote that." Yeah, <laughs> it's plausible. I said that at one yeah, point. Yeah, when you've written twenty <laughs> fucking nine of these, like. <laughs> Uh, this is episode 30? Oh, is this is 30? the 30th episode yeah. special? Oh We're at the 30 episode anniversary. Wow. I think that's like wood or something. Oh, they're all wood. wood. <laughs> Damn. Oh, man, that was so good. We jumped on that fucking wood joke like, <laughs> like a landmine in the middle of the room. You're, you're gonna jump on that wood. <laughs> okay. It took Josh a second, but he also jumped on it. Like a I'm back, baby! <laughs> Oh man, that was good. <laughs> Thank no, I you. love the. Oh. I love that Axe Wound. Uh, of course, you said you were putting in jokes specifically for me, but Axe Wound running on Wiley Coyote logic was yeah. fucking genius. Looney, I just like yeah. Go ahead, Rich. Sorry, I didn't. Looney Tunes has a lot to answer for with this podcast because we all use it's Looney Tunes jokes. It's just yeah, yeah. Hey, when it's well, funny, yeah, it's, it's universally funny. funny. Don't, Don't change the formula, yeah. right? Don't don't fix it if it's not unfixed. Like the more serious the stakes are that are going on, the funnier it is yeah. when a Looney Tunes thing happens. Yeah. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Like it's probably not why she didn't fall, but like just her saying it is like I don't know, it's stupid and funny. I love this so much. Paint doorways and walk through them, so why not? What a wonderful fucking <laughs> podcast. Well we'll slit. Slut, slag, when all the others return? Probably not. <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure they all died horribly. Yeah. <laughs> they have a big family. There's probably like some other S goblins out there, yeah, right? Never even said shit. Sludge, Sludge. scum. Shit. Scum is scum. good. Nice. Celery. That's a C. Schenectady. (laughs) Celery with an S for this guy. That's great. Celeries. (laughs) They just call her Celeries. (laughs) Instead of Della Reese, it's Celeries. Della Reese. We're firing on several different pistons today. On that note, we're going to take a break. So come back for part two. Hey guys, it's Josh from uh, the podcast that you're listening to. So uh, the next story is going to be a little weird. Uh, We had some problems with Rich's audios, which it's not, it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, I think it like broke in the conversion from like metric to English time. So we've dumped it in the harbor with all the tea. We didn't want to deprive you of another spectacular spooky vision tale. Uh, so uh, it's just going to be me and and Jeff speaking. Um, and no rich. Enjoy. I also got you sick probably from when I was uh, lapping up your man juice last night. Mm, I don't know what that means. Uh, I'll show you. The title of my story is The Air Witch Prospect. Uh, Air is in like air apparent. Uh, The Air Witch Prospect. A Frankenstein P.I. mystery. (gasps) Danky Frankie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> From the case files of Adam Frankenstein, private investigator, New York, New York, fall 1934, entry 9. 
Work ain't the steadiest when you're so repulsive to the eye that 9 out of 10 doctors recommend people with weak hearts don't look directly at you. <laughs> Just look at that fuckhole Joni Loves Chachi Kid. <laughs> uh, there's, your ano- there's your anachronism right out the gate, by the way. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, get it out of the way there, Frankie. My point is... When I got a call last week from a representative of one of the biggest crime families in the city with the promise of a lot of money for a little work, I jumped at it like a rabid dog. Contrary to popular belief, I'm like every other working stiff in this boig. I still gotta eat to live and drink to keep wanting to. (laughs) It was a simple job for the Spagatoni family. Hired muscle for a meeting with some kind of Eastern European mob reps for some sort of mysterious deal I was smart enough to know not to ask any questions about. The deal was going down at the palatial estate of one Armando Garibaldi, a longtime enforcer for the Spagatoni family who was known for his ruthlessness just as much as he was known for the irony in a completely bald man having his last name. I had heard tale many a mook found a brand spanking new pair of cement shoes under the Christmas tree after pointing out the irony in it. That's nice of him. No thanks. I swim bad enough as it is. My left leg knows what it's doing, but the rest of my pots weren't strong swimmers, I guess. Aww, that's sad. The estate was cush, with enough rooms to board the entire Garibaldi arm of the family, alongside the mountain of submachine guns and pipe bombs it took to keep the Spigatoni crime family in the business. This place sounds fun. The guy was the center of their entire armed operation and seemed to have his finger on the pulse of new and horrifying weapons like no other. The type of goon to get his hands on the newest nerve gas before the American government had even used it on their first South American government official. I'm talking fast. That's early adopter. I was stationed at the doors to the meeting hall, which was fine by me. There was always the chance that standing too close to an arms deal would land you the less than coveted opportunity to be the first guy dead on the floor full of whatever new bullet or bomb they just signed the papers for. (laughs) What was, what was it with criminals that just often their own henchmen right in front of everybody? You'd think that'd make it harder to fill the position again, knowing what could come of it. And Monster.com and Indeed ain't gonna help shit in 1933 or wherever this is set. I don't fucking know. <laughs> he doesn't even remain writing it down in his journal. You, the big guy. One of the suited up goombas across the room called out at me. I tilted my head up to glance him over. He was the kind of guy whose entire job in an organization seemed to be to take up space and carry a gun. And somehow even that little bit of power had gone straight through his head. You deaf on top of being ugly, freak, he followed up, bridging the gap between us like he wasn't going to come up the nipple high at best when he got over to me, which he did. (laughs) He pointed his stumpy little finger up at me without noticing, though. You better sheet that finger back into your fist before I break it off like a Kit Kat, bitch, I said without much inflection. Peering down at him from underneath the low-brimmed fedora my employer forced me to wear for the occasion. Something about (laughs) hiding my prize-winning beauty from the customers or something. Huh? You are backsassing me? He said with a slight chuckle, turning his face to the rest of the mugs in the room. There were two other bodyguards like myself, one on the other side of the double doors with a slack-jawed, hazy-eyed expression that screamed booze loud enough to even be audible over the smell (laughs) of it on him. (laughs) 
And on the other side of the room, standing by a back door just behind the meeting table, with a steely glare that could have melted the butter off of your mom's ass cheeks. Oh, yeah. The four men seated at the table, speaking in hushed tones to Garibaldi, didn't notice his bluster either. You got a sass before you could back sass, I spit out in return, shoving my hands <laughs> into the pockets of my slacks. I really missed my overcoat, but again, I'd been dressed up like a performing monkey for the role and only had a two-piece linen suit and a striped tie to my name. Besides the magnum slung low under my left arm, anyway. What? And the one between his legs. Yeah. What? The little man said, his eyebrows knitting up <laughs> the center of his forehead into a cascade of confused wrinkles. Don't try to play no games with me, you penny dreadful fucker. <laughs> He haphazardly snatched the grip of his pistol up and out of his holster, but before he could clear leather, I bashed him across the jaw and sent him spinning onto the floor like a loose dreidel. The crumpled thud of his body turned every head in the joint at me, leaving a room full of wide eyes and clenched jaws, and even a few grabbed up pieces ready to blow the brains out of whoever and whatever they peeped next. God damn it, Frankie. Garibaldi groaned out, standing up from the table and waving his hands in the air to signal everyone else to cool it and get back to business. They followed his order without a single word. They did that a lot. He moved across the room to me like a man in control of the space, easy steps like an animal unburdened by predators and surrounded by hapless prey. He was bald, that was a fact, but he was built like a brick shithouse, addressed to the nines in a way that screamed he wasn't somebody to fuck with physically or financially. Armani suit. Some men's shoes for Christmas, dude. <laughs> he can afford them. Armani <laughs> suit, crocodile shoes, tinted Gucci eyeglasses, the whole works. Unless one of those things didn't exist in this time period, then he was wearing something else. I'm not looking it up. I bet you they all did. Probably. A oh, double macro. That's what we call the it. Fuck into these prompts, buddy. <laughs> Apologies, Mr. Garibaldi. I swallowed my pride as the words escaped my lips. It was a damn good payday. You would have done the same shit. Don't judge me, you fuck. <laughs> the shrimp was about to pull his piece on me. I figured a slap would be better for business than a gunshot. Garibaldi <laughs> smirked and nodded his head in agreement, clapping his hands on either side of my arms as high as he could reach. You make a good point, actually. Never mind the dressing down. Just do me a favor and dump him in the green room and let him sleep it off before our guests arrive, eh? You got it, I said flatly, bending down and picking up the little man's body with both arms and cradling him like a baby as I lifted him. <laughs> I was careful the entire time to show the boss that bygones were bygones, and I was going to treat the squirt with, with respect for his sake. But once I slipped out of the meeting hall and across the hallway, beyond the doors into the green room, I just tossed him into the middle of the floor like a bag of dog shit on a neighbor's <laughs> porch. The old, the old man reading the book by the fireplace in the corner peered over the top of the page, huffed at his complaint silently, then went back to what he was doing. Must have been a pretty regular occurrence, I guess. <laughs> I made it back across the hall just in time to open the double doors for the congregation from Eastern Europe. Uh, Romania or something? I'm just gonna say Romania from now on. Fuck it. That works. There was the usual cast of ne'er-do-wells and open-shirted triggermen showing way too much hairy chest that goes along with any sort of this type of deal. But one caught me so off guard I must have did a quadruple take that would have snapped my neck if it wasn't sewn in place. 
<laughs> there amongst the middle of a grim retinue was a ten-year-old blonde girl wearing a silky dress and poofy little sleeves with silver slippers. What? To top it off, the only thing that could have made us seem more out of place was sitting atop a curly little blonde head. A diamond-encrusted tiara made out of silver and gilded gold alloy. Ah, welcome, my friends, Garibaldi called out from the end of the meeting table, standing up and motioning with one hand for his minions to do the same. With the entire room on their feet, the leader of the Romanian procession stalked across the room to shove his hand into Garibaldi's and flash a toothy snake smile. Ooh. Mr. Uchinko, welcome to New York City. It is a pleasure. The, <gasps> the, thick, the thick-jawed man said, drawing his hand back and reaching into his coat pocket for a bundle of crinkled papers which he immediately handed over to Garibaldi. The two men took their seats near the head of the meeting table, and everyone else filed into their places along either side of it, splitting the American and Romanian gangsters directly down the center. There was an unease on both sides that was deeply palpable, but I was having much more trouble reconciling little Slavic Shirley Temple being at the inner mafia powwow. <laughs> How long will this take, Ivan? The little, girl, the little girl looked up to a rather effete man standing next to her, twirling the end of his handlebar mustache. He looked down at her and then su seemed suddenly startled, as if remembering his place, bowed his head down repeatedly to her as she spoke. As he spoke, We will only be a minute, your majesty. Your father wished for you to attend this business meeting to, um, assure everything went smoothly. What? The mustached handler she had called Ivan glanced around the corner of his eye across the room with slight desperation on his face, directly at the man who'd been called Uchenko earlier. Uchenko returned a predator's smile back at him, and suddenly the whole situation made a little bit more sense to me, at least as well as I could put together. I heard it on the Lawrence Welk show. Uh, wait, that doesn't happen until like the 50s. Uh... <laughs> I heard, I heard it on the radio yeah. that Princess Swarova of Romania was visiting New York City on a cultural exchange trip in order to view our museums and libraries. A goodwill ambassador's trip that was meant to cover up the arrival, apparently, of the Romanian mob on our shores. I couldn't piece together whether or not the good old king had sent his daughter willingly or not, but I was well aware that her being at this meeting was more a matter of convenience than one of necessity. Are you listening? A hoarse whisper woke me from my detective's reverie. The mustached handler, Ivan, stood directly in front of me, holding Princess Swarova's hand as they both peered up at me with hard, judgmental eyes. I tried to meet their gaze, but something about it felt searingly familiar to the burdensome eyes of a family I had once hoped to be my own so very long ago. I simply shook my head. The mustached handler looked down at the princess, who upturned her lip in annoyance, then returned his gaze to me. You must move, and allow the princess to sit in the chair behind you. You are impeding her, which I do not advise. <laughs> oh, uh... <laughs> Yeah, uh, be my guest, I muttered, taking a few steps to the side to stand against the wall. I pulled my hat brim down further over my eyes and leaned against it, mustering as much of my nonchalance as possible. <laughs> Though I was very much chalanced at the entire situation. 
Tough guys and guns with backdoor business deals were one things, but having toddlers with tiaras in my peripheral vision at the same <laughs> oh time was too confusing for my patchwork-ass brain to figure. Did you did you want this? Did you want anachronisms? Because it feels like <laughs> you did. When I heard that, I was like, "All right, I'm doing a Frankenstein PI." Boom. Yeah. Hmm. The mustached handler scoffed out, guiding the princess to sit in the seat he'd garnered for her. He was portly and weak-chinned, but still carried an air of importance and an even-keeled nature that made it hard to judge him too harshly. He stood next to her from the moment they arrived and continued his vigilance, clasping his hands together behind his back and rocking back and forth on his heels. The meeting itself was nothing to write home about, even though that's exactly what I'm doing right now at this very minute. <laughs> that is until the Romanian group's lead man pulled out a small vial from his breast pocket and held it up to the light. There was a strange mineral inside, a stone of some kind, maybe and it was reflecting light like a cat's eyes in the night. He placed it down on the table, and everyone leaned over to stare at it, with the exact same level of incredulousness I was stewing in. <laughs> this is it? Garibaldi said with his lip upturned in disgust. I thought you said, I stunned by what I said. Uchinko snapped, placing his finger on the vial and rolling it on the table. This isn't the bum. This is the number one ingredient in it, though. The vital piece. This? There's no, like, uh... Garibaldi looked between his henchmen for a moment, trying to find the word before finding it himself. Uh, like TNT or anything? It's just this? <laughs> Explaining the manner in which the bomb operates isn't really within my purview, Mr. Garibaldi. I am no man of science. I am a businessman. I promised you a bomb capable of holding a city for ransom and I will deliver it to you. It's a nuke! Uchinko said, picking up the vial and holding it back up to the light. I was standing entranced across the room, staring at it the same way everyone else seemed to be, save for the princess and her handler who didn't seem to care. I don't know, a uh... What did you call it? Garibaldi stuttered. We call it the uranium bomb, Uchinko yeah. said plainly. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's just difficult to make this expensive a purchase without show like a showcase of what it's capable of. Garibaldi looked around the room with uh, pointed, vicious eyes. He was most assuredly looking for which henchman to kill in front of everyone there. I rolled my <laughs> eyes. As we explained to you via wire, if the bomb was to go off within city limits, it would make your New York City uninhabitable for 50 or more years. <laughs> There can't be no test run. I already think it is uninhabitable. Uh, oh. <laughs> that made my blood run cold. That made my blood run cold. I mean, uh, colder than usual anyway. It moves around in there, so I imagine it's not like fully frigid. Still, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. The Spagatoni family was protection rackets and gun running. What in the holy fuck could they possibly need a bomb capable of fucking up an entire city for half a century for anyway? I didn't have much time to debate with myself thanks to the sudden violent coughing happening everywhere around me. I was roused back to the reality of the sound and whipped my head around to figure out what the hell was happening. 
Then the night took a real wild-ass turn. I still can't fully explain. <laughs> yeah, now it's getting crazy. There was a strange green smoke filtering in through the double doors into the room, rolling across the room like water, and then it started raising into the air all at once as if by some <laughs> unseen command. It looked like it had been filling the room for hours at this point, but it had just appeared. I was sure of it. What the fuck? Garibaldi screamed out, unsheathing his pistol from its sling around his midsection, just as every mook in the room did the same. What game are you fucking slobs playing me for? We are not doing this. She has found us. Uchinko screamed out between coughs, turning his gun toward the double doors and shakily aiming at him. For their part, the double doors snaked open creaking upon their hinges, revealing a blindingly bright green light on the other side of them. Everyone took a step back, the smog beginning to choke at their lungs and sting at their eyes. And for my part, I tried to cover my mouth with my ugly-ass work tie and squint my eyes through the haze to see our attacker. Is it piano-keyed? Uh, thankfully, no. Thank God. Honestly, even then I couldn't believe my eyes. Standing in the doorway, wearing a long black evening gown with a large black stole around the neck, and a wide-brimmed black sun hat on her head, was Broadway musical superstar Ursula Redgrave. (laughs) (laughs) What? I had never been to Broadway, mind you, and even I knew exactly who she was. I'd seen her face on countless posters, giant marquees, billboards, magazine ads, Tijuana Bibles, anything and everything you could imagine. Tijuana Bibles! And there she stood, ringed on either side by blinding green light and slithering green smoke. Perhaps even stranger, the smoke seemed to emanate from the tip of a cigarette, which she held out from her hip on a long, thin cigarette holder. She smiled a bright, white, perfect smile from between her parted black lips and giggled a raspy, haughty laugh to no one in particular. For a moment, everyone in the room stared in complete disbelief. You all know why I'm here, she said with an otherworldly cadence and reverb, her voice seeming to come from everywhere and nowhere all at once. Well, Fucking ice this Broadway, bitch! <laughs> yeah! Interrupted the screaming voice of Garibaldi, his finger squeezing the trigger of his revolver over and over again to let fly every bullet in its chamber at Miss Redgrave. Every mobster in the room, save myself, if I could even really count it since I'm like a freelancer, really, opened yeah, fire good. on the woman in the black dress in the doorway, explosive <laughs> caps bursting off in such succession as to be deafening. She simply held her hand up. And every bullet in the air stopped, popped like popcorn, and fell to the ground as a fully budded black roses. Flittering under the floor was silence and grace. We all stared slack-jawed then, and the mobsters stood stock still with terror, which suddenly changed their violently hot blood to ice water in their veins. Hmm... Miss Redgrave looked around the room for a moment. Once her eyes landed upon me, she smiled a wide, knowing smile. She upturned her open palm to a pointing finger which landed upon me. You. I don't really remember her walking across the room to me, but she was definitely right in front of me then, so she must have had to at some point. Mm. She looked up at me and placed a finger onto my chest with enough force to press in and, press in and even hurt a little. You'll do nicely. 
do be a deer and take care of these brutes for me. Uh-oh. She, she whispered something then. I don't really remember what. Some kind of old language, maybe, but I couldn't make it out. But I remember being so tired suddenly. Maybe tired's the wrong word, because I didn't feel that fatigue in my bones or anything, but just, like, sleepy, I guess? That's probably the best way to put it. But I couldn't keep my eyes open anymore. I just passed out, flat. I had these dreams. Flashes of dreams, really. They were so damn vivid, I could feel them. Violent, hateful nightmares. I could feel my hand around someone's throat, squeezing the life out of them again. I hadn't done that in a lifetime and swore off of it, not just for my health, but for the health of angry villages everywhere. (laughs) But in a dream, I couldn't stop. I bashed heads in, threw people around, smashed and ripped and tore. I genuinely could not stop. And in the distance, I heard a little girl scream for help as someone dragged her away. I can almost remember the specific face of the man who leapt up to help her, but I I stopped him. I ripped him away and tore the life out of him. The mustached handler, maybe? It was all such a blur. Of course, I have the benefit of hindsight writing this, and let me tell you, they ain't just whistling Dixie when they say that shit's 2020. <laughs> anyway. I woke up face down on the ground. It wasn't the plush carpet of Garibaldi's estate anymore that pressed against my cheek either, but the hard metal and sodden earth of an all-too-familiar surface. I pressed my hands into it and pushed myself up, desperately pushed myself up, desperately blinking the bleariness out of my eyes. When I could finally see more than a few inches in front of my face, I was greeted by yet another fucking boat hatch. <laughs> This dude hates boats. This time I wasn't in a freestanding cage, but an actual brig built into the ship. The bars reaching from floor to ceiling. At least there weren't any fish and or fuckers of fish to be found this time yeah, around. True that. For fuck's sake. the boat. The boat's here. <laughs> for, for fuck's sake, I whispered to myself, feeling around for the gun under my arm to find nothing in its place. Not even a Chaco Taco for, con- for consolation. <laughs> they don't make them anymore! Did they make him in 1933? I doubt it. You said 34 also. Uh, whatever. The The demon awakes. A familiar voice hit my ear like a ton of bricks. I gripped my forehead in a vain attempt to stop the pounding of my head and squinted into the darkness past the bars as well as I could. There, sitting in a wooden chair placed dead center of the empty room outside of the bars was a man I'd learned was named Uchenko at the meeting. He looked quite banged up, but much more angry than hurt. Demon? Where the hell am I? What happened? I sputtered, wobbling over to the bars and grasping onto them to keep my balance. You are used by the witch. You killed Garibaldi and most of his men. You killed a few of mine before we subdued you. Uchinko stood up and began pacing back and forth along the distance of the room. The... the witch? Ursula Redgrave? I said with pure confusion in my voice. I still couldn't believe she'd attacked the mob arms deal with a bunch of weird green smoke or whatever the hell I wrote earlier. I'm not scrolling up. Especially if I'm not doing research. I, I guess she did some wild hocus pocus with the bullets and shit. She's a witch? Uchinko nodded and I pressed my forehead against the metal bars, the cold surface barely soothing the booming headache behind my eyes. Damn. 
Dumb is an understatement. You owe much more than a blood debt to our organization than you could fathom, demon. Oh, good. Uchinko closed the distance between us and stared directly into my eyes with a burning red hatred of his own. The witch has taken Princess Swarova. If the king finds out about this, there will be no survivors left of your rampage. Not even you. We will all die horrible, violent deaths not fit for a dog. I like dogs, I said, not really being capable yeah. of thinking of much else clever to say at the moment. Uchinko stared at me without changing expression and then rebuttoned his suit jacket and began pacing once more. Man, can't believe witches are fucking real. What else is, <laughs> not, what else is gonna pop out and say boo? I muttered mostly to myself as Uchinko worked on what to say next. You have 24 hours. He finally broke his silence. To what? I responded after a moment of silence of my own. To retrieve Princess Swarova and return her to this boat alive and well. If you fail, you will suffer a fate much worse than death. He turned his eyes back towards me, hatred boiling behind the retina. And then the king will kill us all, right? I half smiled, much to Uchinko's great annoyance, but he nodded in return. He will salt the earth. He will kill us, our families, our friends, everyone we have ever cared about. So he'll be killing me, me, and me then, I muttered. <laughs> Aww. 24 hours, demon. Now go. Uchinko pulled a large switch on the wall at the far side of the room, and the old rusted bars of the cell raised up from the floor, giving me just enough room to duck under him and step out into the main room. You're being pretty understanding for a guy whose employees I just slaughtered under brainwashing or whatever the hell happened. <laughs> I, I said as I walked past Uchenko into the large open doorway he stood beside at the other end of the room. This is not the first time the witch has troubled us. If you survive this and return the princess unharmed, we will see how understanding... I can be for you. <clears throat> he flashed his hateful predator eyes at me once more and then motioned for me to leave. So there I stood, on the docks of the Hudson River, staring up at New York City looming over me like a hangman, casting a damn long shadow from the morning sun raising beyond it. I had not even one clue for how to find Ursula Redgrave. No idea what the hell she could possibly want with Princess Swarova of Romania. Hell, I didn't even know what the hell Redgrave was or what she was capable of doing. All I knew was that I had 24 hours to find and return the girl or there wasn't gonna be a movie deal with these case files. I'd be lucky if the different parts of me got to go back to their own shallow graves for a second time. <laughs> but hey, cliffhangers sell books, right? To be continued. <laughs> I love I every time you do Frankenstein I always hear the song from uh, the Nintendo Roger Rabbit playing. It's <laughs> so fucking specific. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I love it. That was great. Thank you. Like I don't think I are you from 1934? <laughs> true yeah it's also an acronism to me (laughs) choco taco invented in the best year 1983 oh 
okay. Two great things came out that year. Three great things. Two great things came out that year. What a Killing great introduction. No, it's, it's Welcome pithy. back to part three. It's my turn now. It's me. Look, it's part three. I've, I've, I've done my civic duty. Uh, intro you know, in parts. You know whose voice I hear when I listen to you, Rich? Mine? Yeah. Something Yours. insulting? No. Uh, you have like a tinge of... Uh, what's the guy's name from the transporter? Oh, Jason, Jason Statham. Statham. Yeah. Mm. Like, if you smoked, like, two packs a day, you would sound like him. I do, uh, there is a a, a time, because I grew up in a very poor area, uh, that I slip back into my South London roots. Uh, I think you do it a little bit here because you're so just, like, comfortable with <laughs> us and, like... Animated. As well. We've been inside each other. Yes, true. Yeah. Well, I true. mean, like, Josh and I also slip into our embarrassing local yeah. accents. Yeah. So. yeah. Yo, I don't know what you're talking about, you dirts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Rich, what's your story? It's called uh, Reaping What You Sow. Oh, what a great way to start. Damn. <laughs> are you okay? Are you, smoke, are you starting out with two packs a day already? Oh, Damn, man. He's, he's, I tried he's breathing and reaping those clouds is what he's doing. Right, okay. Extra, extra, read all about it. Senate building destroyed this morning in suspected reap terrorist attack. 18 inner circle members from the Union, Velit, Norn, and Alima presumed dead. Social media is a blight on humanity and should be eradicated. Trans rights are indelible and inarguable. And all police have been subverted into a fascist authoritarian arm of the government. Any other exposition to ex- occur naturally throughout narrative. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That was incredible. Thanks. Yeah. Holgrim passed the small boy handing out downloaded f- news files to passers-by via the chips in their subdermal implants. And as he tried to offer a download to Holgrim, he held his hand up. No need, kid. I lived it. The Norngard cyborg moved against the throng of mourners numbering the thousands, all trying to rubberneck to get a look at the absence of a building. Why did people flock to tragedy so much? Holgrim could think of a hundred other things he'd rather look at. Boobies, butts, front butts. Yes. (laughs) Oryx getting smashed in the face with a large mace. Damn. <laughs> with a thought, he scanned the crowd, then looked up to the roof where the enig- their enigmatic Reap friend was waiting. She had been asked to hold back by Ra- Raph, but was far too stubborn to be told what to do. I thought Raph asked you to get to ground quickly, he said, his finger activating the comms link in his ear. Last thing we need is a panic over Reap on a lemur. I needed to see what we had wrought. And to get some more air, Reap muttered. What Raph lacks in interior design, she also lacks in air freshing spray. <laughs> <laughs> like Fabrice. Why do she... we all do this accent? <laughs> <laughs> we aren't very good at voices. 
Ship smells like inside of Validar sex bear's morning movement. (laughs) (laughs) And if calling it a movement, (laughs) it makes it worse. And if you are going to draw attention to yourself with that finger in your ear, drool a little so that people are convinced you're the brain dead moron I think you are. (laughs) (laughs) Rough. Wow. This brain dead moron needs to check we're all okay with what just happened. Holgrim muttered under his breath. 18 people were dead because of that bomb, and I was the one who shut down the detection net. Oryx's echoing growl told Holgrim that he was still in the sewer systems beneath the city. And I secured our safe houses, and our reap delivered the payload to the contact. We all share equal blame, he cleared his throat. Or equal praise if what Raph told us is, it is true, reptile, the reap interrupted. Raph does not lie. Now, let's shut our faces, get to our respective hideaways, and wait for instruction before we are caught by the robotic ops. <laughs> robotic ops. You're going to get a call from uh, Orion Pictures. <laughs> Holgrim sighed as the two others turned their comms off. He wandered through the crowd and into the market on his way to the hideout Oryx had secured for him, a small room in a hu- small hub sanctuary. Figured that Oryx had sorted him out a friendly, non-friendly place, but dear lord, Oryx would be sitting in a velvet dust bar or a velvet sex house, avoiding all the pleasures and acting like a little poindexter, probably reading a book while he could be getting his scales sucked, or doing the long, <laughs> <laughs> or doing the longest lines of no sherbet he could fit up his long snap. <laughs> All the while, Holgrim would be bored out of his skull at what was the equivalent of a car charging point for boring dickheads who were now more than machine than humanoid. <laughs> there was probably some poetry about them being more at home in the other's culture, but fuck it. That would mean understanding Oryx a little better, and who had the time for that? <laughs> yeah, not me. He scanned his database for the nearest watering hole and came up empty given he was in the galactic version of Quaker Town. Hey. I just got fucking sucker punched. <laughs> hey, handsome. Name's Princess. See anything you like? A robotic <laughs> voice came from an alley Dang. in the Norn market. And there. How did he get it so right? <laughs> and there, at the mouth of the corridor, was a velvet twilightress who was advertising her own mouth and corridor with a lack of subtlety <laughs> Holgrim found refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> Like you wouldn't believe, love, Holgrim said. Do you perhaps know of the parietal pull-off? <laughs> Princess shook her head, her dark red hair cascading over her dark red shoulders as she did. Holgrim hit his internal bypass switch, sending what passed for blood in, in his body from his brain down to his nether regions. No, but I'm willing to learn anything to get away from the boredom of this Senate stuff. Politicians have done nothing to help us. Let them all burn, I say. Well, then you'll be... Did you write this just for me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, then you'll be pleased to hear that 18 of them are gone. It was a phase bomb, I hear. Holgrim stuck his arm around the woman, surprised Mm. at her odd boniness. Nothing's left of them. How'd you know that, stranger? Princess smirked. (laughs) He tapped a robotic finger against his nose. Got me sauces. Take him. Princess said in a stern... (laughs) (laughs) Fucking idiot. 
Princess said in a stern, robotic voice as she straightened (laughs) up, pushing his hand away from her. As robotic hands came from the alley shadows to drag Holgrim down to the floor, the woman unzipped her Velotean skin suit to reveal the Roboticop beneath. It reached from behind its back to grab a fake red beard and police badge, which they quickly attached. The badge... (laughs) The badge read HUM13. Oh... (laughs) Humey, Holgrim read before being knocked out cold by a robotic foot. <laughs> Kellen Amre's father, Corvus, leader of Alima, father of four, pretty mean drag racer, <laughs> pretty mean dancer, collector of Sploons Ball cards, Alima's 50, <laughs> 52nd highest national pastime after fun wrestling. <laughs> I love Sploon's Ball. And reader of notable ancient poets, the Beastie Boys, was dead. Is this Star Trek? <laughs> <laughs> Kellen stood in her mother's chambers with her brothers, Rin and Targus, her eyes focusing on the rich red carpet but not really looking at much of anything. Rin stood in front of her, his tiny head buried into her waist and arms around her legs. Kellen looked over to Targus who was trying to be mature despite having to bite his lip from stopping it from trembling. Yes, Minister Greywood, a, a sad day. Etienne Amre, General of Alima, and the children's mother nodded to the hologram of the First Minister of the Unionised Planets, Jiren Greywood. He stood in green and black robes, his First Lady and Chief Scientist Umbra Greywood beside him. We're, um, we're pursuing any suspects to the full extent of the law. Never mind that, Etty, Umbra said softly. We didn't call for a report. We called to check how you all are. Kellen loved Aunt and Uncle Greywood, two of her parents' biggest supporters. They were regular visitors at Felidar, the Amre's home in the last months of the year, frost and snow. They spent holidays with them as children, as the Greywoods had no family of their own and liked the chaos of a family celebration. Who the fuck would like that? I know. I agree. <laughs> It's it's horrible, Umbra. It feels as if a rift has opened up inside of me. Etty could barely keep the emotion from her voice as she looked at her children. I'm most worried about the kids. They loved Corvus so much. Targus sobbed slightly at the statement, and Kellen grabbed at his hand. He immediately interlaced his fingers with hers and squeezed it tight, recomposing himself. All past insults and aggravations were immediately forgotten. Their father was dead, and they needed to stick together. You keep those wonderful children close, Etty, Jiren said, his voice low. We're on our way to the spaceport right now. We should be with you a day or so before the Norn Technarch or the Queen of Velet arrive to sow their usual discord. Stay strong, my friend. The hollow faded and blinked off, and Kellen watched her mother breathe a deep sigh of relief. Thank fuck, that's the last of those calls. <laughs> the, the technarch called this morning to explain that death is just energy going from one state to the other, and that just set off my whole day. <laughs> Corvus. Did he do Reiki too? <laughs> Corvus would have said, suddenly she realised she was talking to three recently bereaved children and swept them up in her strong arms. I'm sorry. Your father loved you all very much, and so do I. Are you all... She gave up on saying okay and just took a turn grabbing each of them and kissing their foreheads. We'll get through this, I promise. She grabbed Kellen by the shoulders, not speaking until she returned her gaze. You were right. I- I'm sorry, we should have brought you home earlier. 
but we were worried you might be a target of something like this. Kellen tilted her head. But why? Why would anyone want to hurt the family? Raph can tell you everything. Etty looked around, not noticing Kellen's obvious fury at the pillar. Speaking of Raph, she should be here. At a family mourning? Targus seemed shock. shocked. <laughs> I know she's loyal, but surely... Etty turned to Targus and put a hand to his shoulder. Raph loves this family more than anyone. Trust me, Targus. She spoke to Kellen. Did you speak to her when you went to Bar- Mount Barbarous? Don't lie, I know you went there. Kellen shouldn't have been shocked at her mother's knowledge of her activities. It had been impossible as a teen to smuggle boyfriends or girlfriends or any sort of recreational drug into the house without the general knowing and ultimately berating her for her efforts. And confiscating What's the difference, right? <laughs> and confiscating her drugs for herself. Did she confiscate the boys and girls too? Oh, I don't know. I hope not, because that would be slightly that's weird. Up. Yeah, that's fucked up. They want me to train with them. They, the pillars said something about me and the... Ri- Etty put a finger to her daughter's mouth. You and Raph will share things that no one else can hear about. And she will hate you and love you more than anyone else except for your mother. Etty smiled. Now go find her. Be a friend to her. She will need you today, my girl. Kellen hugged her mother fiercely, turned and left, throwing a wink to Rin as she left. So, what is our next step to extricate our simpleton ally? Oryx tried to steeple his fingers in front of his mouth, only to give up as his small arms couldn't reach the front of his (laughs) 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 Fucking crocodile. Instead, he picked his spoon from his discarded lunch bowl and bent it with a slight push of his thumb. The reap sharpened her small boot blade on a whetstone, then sharpened that whetstone on a smaller whetstone before putting it away. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. (laughs) This was the third knife she had sharpened this morning. The woman loved blades as much as she hated Holgrim. We leave the man-sheen to rot. Maybe the roboticops will find some better use for his corpse. Maybe filing cabinet or pencil case. (laughs) Oryx stood and walked over to her. You can't possibly be serious. He's an integral, I I mean a, a useful... Even with his intellect, Oryx couldn't ascribe a word to Holgrim's potential for fucking up. (laughs) He's a member of this team. (laughs) The Reap stood, knife in hand. You think this coming here with big frame and gnashing teeth and bent spoon and sewer stink intimidates me? Back off. (laughs) Sewer stink. Back off, or I will skin you and make a few clutch bags to sell to vapid velvet whores selling wares. <laughs> Oryx exhaled deeply and closed his eyes. He had no desire for another fight with Slashy McStabby. <laughs> he raised his hands. A bent spoon is not a suitable nor intended weapon. I'm merely flummoxed that you don't want to retrieve a teammate. The reap sat, her eyes narrowing, satisfied but still suspicious. Holgrim was stupid and got himself caught. And if we rush to free him, we risk the entire Roboticop force coming down on us faster than they did on Robotney King. <laughs> Is this funny oh or tragic? God. Oh my god! That's the last episode of this show. <laughs> Is this funny <laughs> or tragic? I've put in um, brackets and then I've put, it's another universe, it can fly. <laughs> It's been 30 years. I mean, 
We're good, I think, right? We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Say, on the operating binary, ones and zeros, guilty or guiltier, purposefully hung in custody or shot in street. (laughs) I know, Oryx said, but considering what we know about our Norn friend and his ability to obfuscate and natural tendency to brag... How long before he accidentally gives something away we might not want coming to light? Our, he just did. <laughs> our contacts, for example. The reap chewed the inside of her cheek, then stood and threw the table over petulantly. Let us go, she grumbled. Hallgrim sat on an uncomfortable chair at an uncomfortable table with uncomfortable cuffs holding him in place in the dark room. But as the lights flicked on and the door opened, he shielded his eyes with one hand, only for the connecting chain to pull his other hand, and his opposite Aww. the opposite side of his body slammed into the table. <laughs> Jeez. At the open Is he comfortable? <laughs> At the open door stood HUM13, his police badge and obviously poor Halloween pirate beard still attached. Though, <laughs> though now he had a clip-on tie that was magnetised to his neck. <laughs> I have Just for the job you want, man. <laughs> I have seen all the cop movies known to man and will not be fooled. I hope you're not feigning injury to ask me to take off those cuffs and subsequently seduce me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What yep. the hell are you talking about? I'm not trying to seduce you. H-U-M-1-3 threw his head back and attempted an approximation of a human laugh, but it sounded like someone screaming in a centrifuge. (laughs) 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 Dude, that's such a great fucking description. (laughs) Do not try and tempt me with your feminine wiles. You are female, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Holgrim screwed up his face. No, I'm a Norn man. I knew you would break like all criminals of cowardly subsection. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cue me fucking rules. He slammed a hand down and smashed a hole in the metal table. I am Sergeant Humey, the legitimate humanoid in charge of the robotic ops. (laughs) Come on, bro to fellow bro. You are guilty. Affirmative. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Playing good cop now. This is a good. This is he's a good cop. Yep. I ain't guilty of nothing, matey. Halgrim sat back in his chair and tried to cross his arms, only to realise he didn't have enough slack in the chain, and then sat back at the table. Except to maybe having too many sexual partners. <laughs> yes, yes, we have certainly all had sex. Inappropriate wink mode activated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy rules. The robot was clearly mad. Holgrim watched as he pulled a handkerchief from a compartment in his leg and brought it to his face. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, sneeze hyphen sound dot midi. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> this rules. You professed some prior knowledge of the bombing of the Senate building and on balance of probability, 62%. <laughs> I deduce with my humanoid gut instinct, he hit himself in the stomach, making a loud clang that reverberated around the room. 
that you are somehow involved given the reports of a non-tech criminal that busted out of prison three months, two days, 14 minutes and 56 seconds prior to this moment. I'm telling you, Humey, you got the wrong man. Holgrim shook his head, then watched as Humey tried to loosen his tie, fail, then just demagnetise and magnetise it two centimetres lower. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't an act. This bot really thought he was a humanoid, and that gave Holgrim an in. But, sometimes, robots just lack the emotional intelligence to see past a person's looks or potential past and treat us with bias. Don't don't they, fellow organic friend? <laughs> Humey looked, looked surprised by the comments. Yes, I too have experienced prejudice by my fellow officers who mock me for being clearly a human. It has led to a lot of misunderstanding. Humey looked at his own hands and his eyes turned red. Those units do not get that I have deep and tragic backstory that makes me want to protect fellow organic life and I will do that even if I have to destroy every organic life to accomplish that goal. (laughs) Kill mode enabled. (laughs) Yup. Holgrim raised his hands gently. Whoa, 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 Humey. No need to be angry. How about you and I cast off the shackles of our oppressors and be free? You could be part of my crew. What do you say? I say... Humey stood and pulled a pistol from his non-handkerchief compartment and pointed it at Holgrim, who flinched. The sound of a gunshot and the sudden release of the cuffs followed as the chain was blasted free. (laughs) Humey went to blow the smoke away from the gun, but as he had no oxygen in his non-lungs, just an electronic noise simulating breath, the smoke gathered around his head. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he then he then placed a pair of black shades over his face but as, but as he had no nose for them to rest on he had to pull them back up as they slid down to his chin and hold them in place <laughs> let us blow this copsicle stand <laughs> oh my god it's not my joke it's Humi's. <laughs> oh my god I have I oh <laughs> Kellen exited the taxi park. I figured all these jokes just insert my laughs, but there's like <laughs> the loudest fucking lawnmower outside right now, so I'm gonna mute. <laughs> Kellen exited the taxi pod and checked the address again, then read the sign on the lawn of the small, unassuming cabin that read, Trespassers will be violated by a spiked warhammer. <laughs> Raph, a pillar of Alima, the chief warmonger of the planet, who spent most of her time in royal palaces or touring the galaxy, lived in a ramshackle little wooden cabin in a quiet part of the wooded glens of the South Continent. Kellen closed her eyes and checked her privilege. The cabin wasn't small, <laughs> it was big for one person, and in a beautiful setting. It just... it wasn't Raph. That was what bothered her the most. Raph was a dick of the highest order, who lived to be in and around people just so that she could cave their fucking faces in. This dainty shit wasn't for her. (laughs) She walked up to the oak wooden door and knocked loudly. Fuck off, came the shouted, (laughs) slurred response. Kellen pushed open the door to find a dark, completely trashed room. The curtains in what she assumed was the lounge were all drawn to block any light. Kellen stepped to the window and drew the thick curtain back, only for a glass to come careening past her face and smash against the wall into shards. I said fuck off. 
Raff sat in the middle of the floor, surrounded by broken items and furniture. Her helm was missing, though her thick auburn hair covered her downed face. Do you have many visitors, Raff? <laughs> Kellen said as she walked around the room. <laughs> and as she did, she saw framed pictures like in history hollows everywhere. Pictures of her parents, her siblings, Asher, even pictures of Kellen on the wall. She realised that to Raff, Kellen's family were her family too, as close to family as Raff ever might get. Might ever get. She went to a dresser and picked up a picture in a frame of Kellen holding a baby Asher. Oh, Raff, I didn't know I meant this much to you. This picture is pride of place right next to... Wait a minute, what the hell is this? Kellen picked up a long wooden cudgel that had been stamped with black lettering. That's Babe Ruth's walk-off Grand Slam versus the White Sox bat from the 1925. I got it on a mission. She didn't. What? She didn't even look up. God damn, swaying, that thing's old. <laughs> swaying drunk. And this? Kellen picked up a rusty but high-tech-looking laser pistol, its handle emblazoned with a lion roaring a cannon out of its mouth. That's the last gun of the Dukes of Lead. Picked it up in a neighbouring <gasps> reality. What? Picked it up in a neighbouring reality about 400 years from now. <gasps> Kellen didn't even try to understand and put the picture, the gun and the cudgel down. She looked on the floor to find a furry, small furry cylinder and picked it up. And what the hell is this? Raph pulled her helm halfway over her face. I went through a rift and ended up hunting evil cryptids along 50s America for a while. That's, that's Bigfoot's dick. <laughs> <laughs> Kellen screamed and threw the furry phallus across the room (laughs) where it landed in one of Raph's half-finished drinks. She wiped wiped her hands down her front and shuddered before she looked over at Raph, who was stirring the drink with the dick and then downed it. (laughs) Oh, yeah! (laughs) So, you guys weren't bullshitting. The rifts lead through time and space. Does this mean that Asher could... Not this. Not now. Raph stood on wobbly, baby deer legs and moved over to Kellen. She grabbed her by the shoulders and pushed her through the door. Go away, Rook. I can't with you. Not today. Kellen wriggled away from her and picked up a long, wanded weapon from the floor and brandished it at Raph. It was otherworldly, and as Kellen pushed the switch, the device throbbed as it powered up. Hey, you owe me for all the lies over the past year. Mother sent me here to check on you. And now you're going to talk to me about what's happening with me, or I'm going to use this weapon on... What the hell is this thing, anyway? Raph sighed. <laughs> That's my vibrator, Rook. <laughs> <laughs> That's grosser than the Bigfoot stick. <laughs> Kellen dropped it slowly in disgust and was just about to shout at Raph when she noticed the streaks running down Raph's face. Have... Have you been crying? About my dad? Raph said nothing, but was quick to pick up a vibrator and put it away in a drawer. (laughs) Kellen stared at her, feeling about as shitty as a dickless Bigfoot. (laughs) 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 I I didn't realise that we all meant that much to you, Raph. I thought it was just a job to you. Raph's eyes flashed under the helm and her teeth set in a snarl. Get out, you selfish, hate-filled piece of shit. Damn. No. Kellen stood defiant and terrified. I know you're hurting, and you know I am too, but the General wants us to stick together. She thinks we're going to need each other. They are few, 
but there are days when I hate Etty Amray, Raph said, her lips trembling as if she might cry again. I need to know about these rifts, Raph, why they're linked to me. Kellen reached for Raph, and I can't get those answers without you. Raph looked at Kellen's outstretched hand before the hollow imager suddenly cut in. It was one of the royal guards standing in the armour of a captain. Lady Raph, one of the bombers has been caught and is being interrogated by the roboticops. Should we take custody? Raph stood and... nothing. It seemed for a minute that she hadn't heard, and Kellen was just about to ask her if she was okay when she answered. No. I'll take custody. She turned to Kellen. But you're going to have to fly us there. The Reap pulled her skin mask up and tucked it into her hood. She hadn't taken the skins off for months. It felt so strange to be without her hunting skins, and there was no way Oryx could but there was no way Oryx could walk the streets without being as suspicious as a giant crocodile approaching a police station could look. <laughs> <laughs> she had resolved to kill Holgrim at some point, maybe after this mission with Raph was complete. Though useful, his lies and aptitude for getting himself in trouble made him as useful as that decade-old pack of condoms your mum keeps in the drawer in her nightstand. I mean, come on, Bridget. If a man puts on that expired (laughs) old meat sheath on and climbs on into the dust museum, he's going to shrivel up faster than that Donovan guy at the end of the last crusade. (laughs) (laughs) There it is! Maybe the uh, reaper. Somebody's mom is definitely named Bridget. Who listens to this? <laughs> yeah. Is your mom named Bridget? Maybe the reap would gut him slowly. Maybe she'd smother him. Maybe she would download a shitty compressed Soundgarden album from LimeWire and watch him slowly Aww. die of the cyborg variation of terminal syphilis. Spoonman. <laughs> uh, I'll be. Uh, sorry, I'll be in section thirteen. Directly under the cell block, Oryx came through her earpiece. As soon as you make the distraction, I'll extricate Holgrim. The Reap heard jets descend behind her and turned to see Raph's ship, Gloombreaker, touching down about 40 metres away. As the disembarkment ramp lowered, fuck's sake, Raph descended (laughs) with Kellen. The girl was no older than 18, her reddish-brown hair a mess, her gait that of an angry teen whose father had just died. The Reap felt a lump forming in her throat. They hadn't seen her yet, and she needed to stay out of sight. Raph brought her wrist comms up to her mouth. What do you mean, gone? How did he escape? The, ra- <laughs> the Reap turned away and put a finger to her ear, pulling her hood and Reap mask down into place as nonchalantly as she could. Oryx, she whispered. Abandon the mission. No questions. Who's Oryx? said a voice behind her, and as she turned, mm. Kellen stood. Hands on hips behind her. The girl caught sight of the Reap skins and went to grab her, but Reap was faster and put her in a hammerlock before forcing her down to the floor. The Reap gazed towards Raph, who looked up from her call, her mouth an O of shock, before pointing away from them. The Reap ran, and Kellen was straight after her like a boomer to a 4pm dinner service. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> The wild swing that hit me there. (laughs) Eat shit, Bridget! (laughs) Chasing her down the alley, past the police station and through town. Gods, she was fast, and as fit as Kellen was. She could barely keep up with her. They zigzagged through the gatherers in the market square, past the afternoon lunches from the financial district, until Kellen heard a beep from her wrist comms. Kellen, disengage. She could be dangerous, Raph shouted. A reap? On a lemur? There's no way she doesn't have something to do with Dad's death. Kellen said between deep breaths. 
Just hold on. Don't do anything rash. We can't... Kellen cut her off and turned the risk comms to silent. She wasn't about to potentially let her father's murderer go before Raff was hung over. Uh, because Raff was hung over. The <laughs> reaper climbed on a tram taxi as it lifted away and jumped inside, pushing the driver out to the floor. Kellen sprinted, following the hover car to the edge of town, over the restricted airspace of the shuttle port before she pulled the Duke of Lead's laser pistol she had snuck out of Raff's cabin. She aimed <sighs> the pistol and fired, the gun shorting in her hand but firing an uncontrolled burst of plasma that hit the tram taxi and brought it down to the flat concrete with a smash. With burnt hands, Kellen sprinted to the wreckage and pulled the woozy reap girl from the driver's seat. You took everything from me, she bellowed into her bloody face, tears blurring her vision. Look who's talking, the reap said, punching Kellen in the stomach so hard she fell to the floor gasping for air. Kellen reached for the woman moving away from her and screamed with every ounce of anger in her soul. Reality tore away and she felt a sensation of the very flesh sifting away from her bones. Her fury at her father's killer, pulling her away from herself. It was electric nails on a razor blade chalkboard. Her entire soul feeling like it was covered in paper cuts and her bones shook like a booty at a little Kim gig circa 2001. <laughs> Oh man, she can fit a sprite can in her mouth. <laughs> it's the fun fact of the week, right there. <laughs> the, the reap stopped in her tracks as if held there, and as Kellen looked up, she saw why. About a meter in front of the reap, a green tin shimmer floated in nothingness. The ragged edges of the rift in the very air fizz and made the very air fizz and seemed to be burning the oxygen around it as the woman backed away, terrified. No. No, she muttered, raising her hands in front of her horrified face, eyes wide. I, I won't go back. I won't. Kellen looked at her own hands, both knowing that there was no way she could have created this rift, and knowing that she absolutely did. The reap shrank and became like a child at the sight of the opening, and fell back onto her backside as she kicked out to crawl away. The two of them were vaguely aware of a ship touching down behind them. Kellen heard a familiar voice telling her to stop, but rage drove her, and she stood and marched towards the reap as if the very heat from her own anger had lifted her off the floor and was guiding her. Kellen stood over the reap woman, realised from her lower face that she wasn't much older than Kellen herself, the tears running from behind her mask making her look much younger. A hand stretched to her, and Kellen didn't realise at first that it was her hand reaching down. The reap took it and pulled herself to her feet, the heat from the rift behind them burning against their backs. Rook, no! Raph yelled. Kellen turned as if in a dream and watched as if the as the Rafe as as Raph, a giant crocodile, a non cyborg and a robot who was for some reason wearing a fake beard was sta <laughs> were standing not? not ten feet away, looking at her in shock. I thought this would be difficult, but looking at you again, I realise how much I've missed you, Kellen. She pulled her mask <sighs> over her blonde hair, and when Kellen looked into the eyes of her baby sister, she wondered uh. how she hadn't recognised her mouth, the shape of her jaw. It was the face of a dying child that had shrank away from her, like Hans Gruber in Die Hard. Yeah! <laughs> Very descriptive. <laughs> All the villains. It was, it was burned into her psyche. How had she not seen it? Asher? Kellen gasped, scanning her face, looking at the 15 years that had been added. Asher looked down and Kellen's eyes followed. They were holding hands just under Asher's ribs, and as her sister pulled their hand away from their body, Kellen saw the blade she was holding slip from Asher's ribs. 
She watched the dark red patch grow on her sister's reap skins. And, f- and for the second time in her life, Kellen Amre called the rook as a dual insult to her adopted heritage and her fuck-awful luck, looked into her sister's dying eyes and realised she was to blame. The end. What the, what the fuck, fuck are you doing to me right now? God damn it, How bitch. dare you? <laughs> you? How dare you? You fucking... Ah, uh, fuck, man! What? Uh, ah, that, that happened in the same story that there was a human. The robot before he was a human. <laughs> that was the roller coasteriest ride I've ever been. <laughs> I'm, I am without words. That was that was fucking shocking. I don't, I don't like you, Rich. <laughs> yeah, Rich is a bad man. Is what I did, learned today. Did you suspect uh, at any point that she was Asher? No. Oh, good. I didn't. Good. No, not at all. Good. I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting better at this. <laughs> Usually I'm pretty good at that stuff, but no, good. I didn't. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, it was a Which, it was a great story and yeah. Humi is perhaps the funniest character you've ever written. <laughs> yeah, that's saying But you something. you've harmed my soul now and I'll never forgive you. I, yeah, well, he had to go last, so he had to fuck us up for the rest of the day. I had about four pages of Humi content that I had to cut, because it, otherwise it would have been like 16 pages long. But, but they are all, all these jokes I've got did in you, the bank. Did you keep it? No, I've got it, I've got it. Uh, um, that could be a great Patreon exclusive. <laughs> oh no, I'm gonna... I can't wait till the DVD comes out and I get to watch all the Humi outtakes. <laughs> How I imagine him is like a small version of the Iron Giant, like he's a really yeah, shitty. That's like, how I saw him. Fifties yeah. robot. Yeah, yeah. I was picturing uh, Bender with a different head. Kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's sh- he's a proper shit robot. Yeah, the one like the one from Futurama who's always exploding, crazy yeah, Eddie or whatever. Yeah. That's how I pictured him. Uh, who sometimes wears the skin of a prostitute to go undercover. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why not? Haven't, Haven't we all? We all? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh my god, I'm like exhausted. Yeah, me too, man. I'm so tired now. We've been Fred, on such really... roller coaster rides. <laughs> Three good stories, man. You really fucked me up, Rich. Oh, I'm sorry. I love that. Like, I wasn't thinking about it at the moment, but I love that right as Rich said the end, both of us just exploded <laughs> angry rant. Because I, I knew it was coming, right? Like, I knew that that was coming. It yeah, felt, I knew it something like bad was about to happen, but yeah. it still shocked me. No, I, I didn't know. I didn't know, like, the, ah, I just, why are you, why do you, why, why are you like this? Why are you like this? <laughs> yeah, why are you like this? No, I added one. I've got to take one away now, right? No. <laughs> you're, like fucking, you're like fucking Thanos. <laughs> Perfectly Bouncing a fucking pen on your finger, going, everything balanced as it should be. This motherfucker's making chili in a pot on some yep. planet, waiting for us to come out kill of, him. Yeah, out of fucking like, squash or whatever the fuck he's eating. <laughs> Whatever brown fluid he's eating over well, there. Well, that fits him being English. Yeah. <laughs> I did have a mm, great. Brown. I did have a great steak pie on uh, Saturday, and I just All right, thought those to two myself, words don't go together yeah, in America. You, we, don't, we don't so say good. that. It was like so a, good. Like a pot pie. It, yeah. yeah. What's a steak pie? Yeah, but it was filled with like 
steak and gravy and it was so good um and i thought to myself yeah brown brown is good brown is good man (laughs) Was- look, I'm not going to say brown isn't good because I don't look like a fucking racist. Yeah, that would be the, that would be the second strike against this podcast. So. It was a but- different character. It's not Rodney King. It's Robotney King. It's this it's- this universe's big. Look, third- you go ahead and open so- Notepad and start writing that in your apology. It will be ready. <laughs> Look, we've all made mistakes. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Look, I'm listening and I'm learning. And I'm, learn- I'm, I'm trying to just, you know, learn about myself. And it's really a comment on the LAPD. If you want to be, if we yeah. want to really over, yeah, I know. It. It's so, fine. You put that in yeah, the notepad too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. With that, we are going to close the cover here on today's episode. Um, now we need to pull out the all sea ball, the prompt all sea ball. Fucking powerful. <laughs> okay, so the first prompt for next time is <laughs> Hogs by Sean. Hogs? Hogs. Like like a pig yeah. or a dick? Yep. Yeah. Or a motorcycle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boner cycle, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Our second prompt is... Oh, Rifts by Braktor. Well, that would be easy for you. Yep. Thank you, Braktor. <laughs> did, we, did we not have rifts? No, no. we had uh, crevices. We definitely did not have crevices. Did we what not? the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Did we not? I, no. The whole prompt system does not stick in my brain. It's like the order of who goes first on the podcast. That's true. <laughs> and fucking an argument we didn't have for once. No, we had disasters, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. We Those are different. No, we no, didn't. we didn't. We no, we thought, had disasters. I thought we did. Oh, I don't even know anymore. Wait, no, it I was don't... princesses and disasters. Yeah, and that we kept doing that. <laughs> None of this matters. <laughs> then we kept doing it because we were Hol- funny. Hogs and rifts. That's a weird one. Look, that's very sexual. <laughs> you whip out your hog and you put it in a rift. Oh fuck yeah! Oh oh. I mean, Josh's story is already written. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Um, guys, I'm ready for next week. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. My body is. You want to record it right now, or do you guys need the weeks? <laughs> I need the refractory period. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I'm um, all jizzed yeah. out. I can't. <laughs> you don't. You don't want some of my blue. My blue pills. Oh, your blue juice. <laughs> my blue juice. <laughs> blue juice. <laughs> I make a mean lean out of some uh, uh, <laughs> Nyquil and fucking uh, Viagra. It'll keep you up all night. Keep you up and down. Haha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so before we go, uh, big thanks as always to Vidizen. Greg, you're amazing. Uh, you can check you can check out Vidizen's uh, work, all the stuff about him at vidizen.card.co. Card with two R's. Um, he does our theme tune. He does the theme tune to about a hundred other Story Lords adjacent podcasts. I love that guy. Um, he is amazing. Uh, I mean, he does score full episodes of Tapon's Theatre on Subspace, uh, and I, That's awesome. I just like it baffles me every time. Like he's hyper talented and just a beautiful man, and yeah. I find that to be unfair. Yeah, 
Yeah, it really makes me sick waking up to this ugly husk of a face that I have. <laughs> it's like Skeletor coming out of the, the goo at the end of Masters of the Universe. <laughs> I, I fuck on a good day. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks, Greg. We love you, buddy. Um, if you, you the listener, you, yeah, I'm talking to you. Don't try and walk me? away. I'm listening to you. I'm not listening to you, I'm talking to you. If you want to do your duty and as a, as a story squire and suggest prompts to the all-see prompt ball, whatever we fucking call it now, head over to <laughs> patreon.com slash storylords and for as little as $5 a month you can join our super cool Discord, read our stories that we put up sometimes and suggest prompts. It's as simple as that. If you want to that support is, us, that is an accurate way to describe it. The, our stories that we put up sometimes. Yes. <laughs> for, yeah, Rich. But I mean, my, yours isn't up either. Uh, for ten dollars, you get access to Redesigned by Committee, which is our extra podcast, which we keep saying we're going to do and then forget. I'm I'm going to force us to pick a day to do it when we're done yeah. recording today. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Where we redesign an existing IP, and that could be a video game, a movie, a TV series. Uh, you know, whatever. For $20, you get all that, the PDF of our upcoming book early, and create a credit in the book itself. Um, and we're definitely going to do that, too. Um, we are definitely going to do that. We're just, yeah, you know, it's happen. a lot of work. Um, and if you want any other info on the show, you can head over to storylords.card.co. And again, that is storylords.card with two R's.co. I'm trying to get Nate Bits uh, animation on the website. It's kind of fighting me, but I'm tr- yeah. I'm trying to get it on the website as like an intro for us. Well, it's just perfect. Uh, it is. It's amazing. Nate, Nate said if we ever wanted to do um, animated stuff that we could stick on YouTube, let him know, and he will animate the shit out of anything we need to. And I was like, my god, that is that's, just too much of an open that's door. That's too much. We can't. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll, you know throw some money at you to do that yeah if if you give us more money there's more of a chance that we'll do that yeah yeah and they're amazing animations yeah Yeah. nate it's nate n8 bit art nate bit art on pretty much everything i think yeah i follow him on instagram me too instagram tumblr not twitter because twitter's a cesspool yeah 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 Yeah, it is (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's just like a dumpster oh fire. Slowly burning dumpster fire. I should mention Yay. as well that Braktor, who um, submitted the Rifts prompt, is another fan artist of ours. And his wife is. Camadorn's uh, uh, did the well, first. Yeah. Just incredible uh, fan artists all around yeah. doing amazing work. Did we say who did both prompts? Yes, Braktor and Sean. Sean did Hogs. He's, he's listed as Sean. Uh, and nothing else on Patreon. So um, congratulations out... to all of our fans named Sean. You, <laughs> you all you get credit. Um, thank you everyone for um, uh, answering the call for more prompts yesterday because we were running a little dry on prompts. Um, if, as I said, if you want to, you're listening to this and you want to suggest a prompt, you need to be a patron to do it. Uh, we don't accept free prompts. We're not whores. Technically, I mean, I mean technically, I mean, we do it for money, so yeah, we are. Like, speak for but yourself, we don't kiss buddy. on the mouth. No, I do. I'll kiss any hole. Oh, okay, all right. What? what? Two of us don't kiss on the mouth. 
I'm think I'm rethinking it now. Honestly, he's making it one sound of us, really good. One of us Let definitely me... doesn't kiss on the mouth. <laughs> um, British people don't kiss on the mouth. One of I've us doesn't that. like any that. physical affection at all from anyone other than <laughs> his family. That's, so that's why they call it French kissing. Mm. Someone tried to hug me at work uh, the other day, and I just went like, you know how uh, you're supposed to act when a bear attacks you. Like you soiled yourself, go and rigid act and to soil dead. yourself. Yeah, it's exactly what I wanted to do, but I just did the go rigid and pretend I was dead. I for really should have just pooped pants and exactly. then caught them. Yeah, maybe for some for some reason I pictured them going in for a hug and you doing a fucking uh, full quarter circle hard punch Shoryuken directly <laughs> into their chin. Well, it I was... just pictured like one of those toy dolls from the like. When we were kids, with the little button on the bottom, and they karate push it, they just collapse. Oh yeah, the karate oh, action, yeah. kung fu action. <laughs> uh, someone, someone patted me on the shoulder from behind once, and I just did a weird shudder, and everyone was like, "What the fuck was that?" And I was like, "I struggle with human contact because yeah. I am a robot." <laughs> He's the it's real human. <laughs> I am real human. <laughs> God damn it. Have we ever seen Rich without his skins on? That's true, we haven't. No, true, true. Um, anything else we want to promote? Uh, no. Commission no. me with your money to make art, because I, yeah. I need it very badly. Go to jeffpennington.art. Uh, yeah, I had to go on uh, the shittiest trip of my life to deal with family shit, and uh, now I, I just don't have money. From that time. That's fun. So, um, please give me your money. I'll give you art. It's not for nothing. <laughs> you can that hit me up, uh, jeffpennington.art, and uh, contact at jeffpennington.art is the email mm. address. And uh, if you want to see some examples of Jeff's work, I would recommend going and looking at his latest M-Class uh, title cards because he is knocking them out the fucking park recently. Thank you. Thank yeah, the last one was so good. Yeah. Man. yeah or the one at t- tomorrow's. It's last week's to them. Last yeah. Wednesday's. <laughs> <laughs> what the file even No, but thank you. Thank you so much. That's very yeah. sweet of you. Um, so... That's the end of the episode. We will be back. Actually, follow Josh on Instagram. It's Field1983. He makes, like, the dopest fucking, uh, like, action figure originals and shit and does, like, amazing photography of them. Check that shit out. Thank you. I made a guy I showed you guys. He did. He's cute. He did. Rich is uh, doing this show. And also (laughs) to Pond's Theater on Subspace. Check that out. And Toon Hounds. Uh, we've, got Toon a Halloween, Hounds. we've got a Halloween special that Spivzy and I talked for an hour and a half and we mentioned 155 horror films. What cartoons did you do? We didn't do cartoons this week because it's a Halloween special. Oh. Uh, we've already done Ooh. inappropriate cartoons and Halloween cartoons in the past, so we just did Halloween films that we like because it was a Toon Hound special. My favorite is Trick or Treat. That's my favorite Halloween movie to watch because it's so stupid. Nice. My favorite. My favorite is The Thing. That's my yeah, favorite my favorite is The Thing. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm trying to go to sleep tonight, guys. I don't need to be fucking nightmared <laughs> out of my goddamn gourd. Uh, I love way too many horror movies. Yeah. I feel like when people meet me and could people could hang out with me for like a decade and not realize how much I love horror movies and yeah. spooky shit, unless yeah. I guess they listen to this. Yeah. No well, one does. 
I think <laughs> horror, horror. Spiffy and I uh, agreed that horror is the only genre that is watchable, even if it is terrible. Oh yeah, because it's just yeah. so much fun. Yeah, sometimes the worse it is, the better. Honestly, yeah. yeah. That's why we always would rent like the Puppet Master films when we were kids because they were straight up hot. Oh, they're Shit, garbage. Yeah. They're so they're fun. So though. dumb. Yeah. You'd see a tit. You'd see a Nazi get killed. It was great. It's perfect. It was worth it. <laughs> um, right, gang. Thank you for listening. As always, we love you, especially our patrons. Um, you rock. Uh, we will be back in two weeks for some hog-related rifts. Oh yeah. And we'll see you then. Bye. 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 Bye.